Praise the Lord, Greater Life Church family. I join with Brother Landon in thanking you for joining in with us tonight. I still don't like this venue, but it's the best we can do, and so we're going to make the best of it. I pray that you will open your heart tonight and allow the Word of the Lord to speak to you. I want to begin a new series tonight, and I would like to begin by laying the foundation for this series from something that uh, captured my attention earlier in the week. It began in the year of 1163, the construction of what would become one of the most iconic architectural structures in the world. It would take them 182 years to complete it. It would sit on the banks of the Seine River in Paris, France. It would be christened the Cathedral of Notre Dame. And it would become one of the most memorable buildings, not only in French history, but in the architecture of the world. The architecture of that uh, time was of such that they were limited in their abilities to build, but this particular cathedral, history says that the architects pushed the envelope far beyond anything ever imagined before, and this Gothic edifice began to rise up in its beauty and splendor. I've been there personally, my wife and I, and it is a beautiful place and a sight of grand beauty, but it has great vaulted ceilings and uh, what they call flying buttresses and ribbed wall uh, vaults and vaulted ceilings and handcrafted uh, jewels and, and, and carvings that are astonishing. Took many, many years to do it very top of the building, there are walls that line both sides of the sanctuary. Arches upon arches, even on the roof, there are these grotesque figures that are called gargoyles. And it houses the largest stained glass window, or it did, the largest stained glass window in the world. It is gorgeous spires that reach up toward the heavens. They are made of 25, 250 tons of lead and there were over 5,000 oak trees that were cut down and carved into the roofing material that was then overlaid with 400 metric tons of lead. The ceilings inside are carved with some of the most stunning works of art and beauty that you could imagine. And inside are priceless uh, works of art and statues and pipe organs and bells and relics of all kind. And it has been the place uh, to draw over 14 million tourists a year to come and walk through its hallowed halls. And though it would fall in disrepair for a number of years after it was built. Napoleon is one who is credited in saving this particular edifice. And 
in time, it began to take on a grander feature. World War II threatened it, and yet it stood the test of that great war. But on April the 15th of 2019, at 6.18 in the afternoon, the unthinkable happened. A fire broke out beneath its vaulted roof, and soon the building was up in flames and in an uncontrolled situation. People from all over the world viewed what you are seeing right now in disbelief as this iconic fixture in architecture was burning and no one could stop it. They watched as the tire or the spires fell and in disbelief as as the different parts of that cathedral were consumed. By the time it was over, the only thing that remained was the stunned silence of disbelief. And then the process began of trying to safeguard what was left. And so began weeks and even months of working, waiting, investigating, studying the cause, buttressing the weak places and bringing scaffolding in to keep the remaining parts of the cathedral from falling down. And now here they have come to our time over a year later and now they have finally come to the all serious question and that is how do you rebuild a masterpiece? How do you rebuild a masterpiece? The answer to that question involves answering other questions, such as, does it matter if it is rebuilt? Not only that, but what is going to be the cost of rebuilding it? And will it, will, will it be even feasible to be done? What will it look like? Post fire, how long will it take? And what kind of materials are going to be needed? And what kind of craftsmen are they going to have to have? While they contemplate the future of Notre Dame, my mind has been working in an entirely different direction. And I want to talk to you tonight about another masterpiece one of greater importance and significance than any cathedral or any other masterpiece of mankind. And that masterpiece of all times is you and I. Though you may not think of yourself in those terms, God does. And though you may not feel about yourself in that way, God does. I want to talk to people tonight that may feel broken and isolated and people who struggle with their own sense of self-worth. And I have come to tell you unequivocally from the word of God that you matter to him and that you are of great value to him and you are of importance to him and his kingdom and you are his Masterpiece. 
The Bible begins with the glorious scene of creation. Genesis 1 is a general description of what went on the first day, the second day, the third and the fourth and the fifth and finally that sixth and seventh final day. The second chapter of Genesis goes into more detail. It's a more personalized account of that act of creation. But let me just talk through those things that happened as God began. The daily work that brought sun and moon and stars and planets and heavens and land and sea and fish and animals and trees and birds and creatures of every nature. And and yet all of those things that God created, the sunsets and the rivers and the waterfalls and the trees and the mountains and all of the oceans and the whales and the fish that fill the sea and the stars in the heaven and the planets and the and the galaxies that surround our world none of those things compared to his greatest creation for he saved the crowning achievement of his work to that moment when he stooped low over a lump of clay and the bible said he began to make man he made the same uh, he he made it of the same stuff that the rest of creation was made from but here was the caveat this one was made in his image he does not speak it into existence the bible said that he formed it from the dust of the earth the word formed there comes from a meaning which speaks of crafting, of, of diligent skill and uh, abilities. It speaks of intention and purpose. It was not an accident. It was not an incident, but it was an intentional work of God when he began to work on mankind. He breathed into him the breath of life. He conveyed to man something that no other part of creation has the claim to. And that is a part of God himself. And then he set him apart and gave him dominion over all things. And there in that setting, you will see God's greatest masterpiece. And it's not a sunset. And it's not a star. And it's not a galaxy. And it's not an alpine mountain or a tropical island. But it is you and I. It is mankind. And even though sin would bring an ugly mark and bring a failure that would mar that creation. I'm here to tell you that God even then had a plan to fix it. And put it back together even though it had been spoiled. The scripture says that he was slain from the foundations of the earth. I want to begin a study tonight of what I pray will bring some encouragement to you. And I pray not only encouragement, but it will bring revelation and understanding to your life so that you can live more confidently and you can live with greater purpose. 
If you would for a moment get your Bibles and open it up. And I want you to go first of all to the Psalms, the 139th Psalm. I'm not going to read all of it, but I am challenging you over the next couple of weeks. I want you to read the 139th Psalm over and over and over again. For it begins like this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home and you know everything I do. You know what I am doing, what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me and you place your hand of blessing on my life. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to understand. And then he talks about where can I go to escape from his spirit. And then I want to go on down further and, and pick up in verse number 13. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And knit me together in my mother's womb. Again, all of the language of the text conveys purpose and intent. Uh, There was nothing accidental. There was no big bang theory that took place. There was no evolution of cells as they mutated. But it was purpose and intent that brought you and I into being. You have made me all the delicate parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Take, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. The word workmanship there could also be translated masterpiece. Your masterpiece is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Let me stop here and say to our church family that even included these days in which we are sitting at home instead of being in the house of God. God said, I saw those days. And I want you to know that even in those days, you still have a divine purpose and an imprint on your life that you must never, ever lose sight of. Amen. He saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are thy thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse number 10, I want you to take this book, the book of Ephesians, along with with Psalms 139, and I want you to start reading it over and over. Every day, read a little portion of Ephesians uh, from chapter 1 through the end. 
But I want to read from the, the second chapter, verse number 10. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, for we, everybody say it with me, for we, I am God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Oh God, help that truth to sink deep into our spirit tonight. That we are not only fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are your masterpiece. The word that is used in the King James Version is the word workmanship. Workmanship comes from a word which means a work of art or a poem or a masterpiece or something perfect. I know that may not be the way you feel about yourself today, but as far as God is concerned, when he looks at you and I, he sees a work of perfection because it is the work of his hand. I may not be perfect yet, but his work in my life is a perfect work. It carries the idea of rhythm and orderliness. There's nothing that is any more beautiful than to see the sequenced rhythm of the moving of trees and limbs when the wind blows or, or to watch the waters rise and fall as, as the music is played in the background. There's order. There's rhythm there. And God said that is how you should see your life. There is an order to your life. There's a rhythm and a beauty that should encompass you every day of your life. It is a term that conveys, that conveys the message of intention and not accident. I've said it many times and I say it again tonight. None of us are accidents. God doesn't make junk. You are not an accident. You are divinely created. You are a masterpiece. And I want you to understand that tonight. We need to rediscover something about ourselves. I'm not here to brag about me. I'm here to brag about the God who made me. I'm not here to lift you up. I'm here to lift up the God who made you and help you understand that God has a purpose for your life. God has a reason for you being here. And God wants you to understand that and embrace it tonight and live in that knowledge. One of the greatest needs that you and I have as individuals is the emotional need to feel like we matter. That we are not an accident. That we are not junk. That we are not worthless. This is what God wants you to understand tonight. You are loved. You are worthwhile. You are invested in. Amen. You have his imprint on your life. God is not through with you yet. You need to turn to somebody if you're with your family and say, hey, back up. God's not through with me yet. If you have to say it to yourself, say it to yourself. Hey, self, get off of me because God's not through with me yet. He's still working in my life. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to see as God sees. God sees us differently than we see ourselves. 
You may see failure, but he sees a child. You may see faults, but he sees design. That's the message. To me, this is the most powerful message that Easter conveys to any of us. That we are made in his image. And he loves us so much that he would give such a gift. The gift that cost everything so that you and I could be redeemed and brought back together in fellowship. The reason that we celebrate tonight, even a few days removed from Easter, is because Easter's message goes with me throughout the year. And it tells me something important about God, but it tells me something even more important about myself. Evidently, I must matter to him or he would not have wasted his time in going to Calvary. He didn't do it for angels. When angels fell, he cast them out. But when men fell, when man fell, he found a way, he created a path to bring man back to that place of fellowship. You and I need to see ourselves tonight in the light of his workmanship and know that God is still working in my life. Quit beating yourself up. Quit pushing yourself down Quit condemning yourself. I'm telling you, you're not perfect and neither am I, but we are moving toward a completed work. And when God gets through with us, it's going to be a work of beauty, unknown and unseen by anything in all of creation. God made us, he created us, and he knows how to recreate us and remake us. The Bible is not the story of creation. It is the story of redemption. I want to say that again. The Bible is not the story of creation. It is the story of redemption. It contains God's plan. It contains God's purpose to restore man. And you can follow a red thread, a cord of blood from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And you must never forget what that thread is there for. It's there for you and I. The devil would like for you and I to think less of ourselves and he is certainly doing his best to try to destroy our identity He would like to keep you confused about who you are and who you were created to be. He would like to help you, keep you pressed down and feeling like you don't matter and you're not important. And it wouldn't matter if you were even gone in this hour in which we live. Who would ever even know? But I'm here to tell you that God knows and God's not through. Every one of us are important to God tonight. Every one of us has a God-ordained destiny. A German philosopher by the name of Schleiermacher, who was noted for having helped shape modern thinking and the progressiveness of modern thinking, as an old man was sitting at a city park on one of its benches, And a passing policeman happened to look over at him and saw him napping and he thought he was a bum. 
And so he went over to where this man was and he shook him real hard and he said, who are you? And startled awake, this philosopher looked at him with sad eyes and replied, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. The reality is there are far too many people that are saying that about themselves. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. I wish I knew what I was here for. I wish I knew why I am still around. Who are you? You are God created masterpiece. And God is not through working. And though sin and failure may have marred our lives, God has made a way of restoration Read the book of Ephesians and listen to it. Chapter after chapter is given the confirmation that you matter, that I matter, that we count with God. We were created for more. God did not create us to grovel in our failure. He created us to soar and to lift our wings and rise up. You see, to restore a masterpiece, when I was reading about the restoration of Notre Dame, there were certain things that began to come to the surface. You know, in order to restore a masterpiece, first of all, you have to see the need for it to be done. And not only that, but you have to have a love for it to want to do it. Not just anybody is going to spend the time or the energy to do what needs to be done to put it back in a working order. Some people would say, we've got other problems that are bigger than that building. Let's just leave it alone. Let's take it on down to the ground. But when you have a love for it, love will not let it go. And neither will his love let us go. I pray that over the next few weeks, we can rediscover just how powerful the love of God is in our life. If we can rediscover just how far his love reaches and how much his love will do to keep us and save us. In order to restore a masterpiece, you have to know how to do it. You have to know how to do it. Not only that, but you have to have the skills to know how to do it. It takes a master craftsman. You have to have a plan to do it. It can't be done herky-jerky. You can't wake up every morning in a new world, but you have to have a plan. Not only that, you have to have the means because it's going to cost a great deal of money. I know that the, the president of France made a statement to the nation after the burning of Notre Dame that he hoped, he believed that they were going to have it back open within four years ready for the Olympic Games that would be in Paris. But all people that really know anything about building know that sometimes rebuilding takes more time than you thought. And it's going to take time. But you know what? God's got the time and he's going to spend the time He's going to put that investment into your life. It's going to take a willingness to invest the time. And God said, I am willing. Some say it will take over 25 years to bring Notre Dame 
back to its original beauty. It may take 45 years for God to get through working on me, but every day that I live, he does a little more. Every day that I live, he works a little closer. Over the next few weeks, I want us to explore what God is doing in our lives. I really believe it could be a time of revival for our church family. I don't know when we'll be able to come back together. I hope it's very soon. But in the midst of all of this, I believe God is wanting to do a work of restoration. I believe he's wanting to help rebuild some things in our life. Maybe some altars that have gone in disrepair. And and now that we are in our homes and we don't have a church altar, we don't have a sanctuary to come to. Now we've got to make an altar in our home and we've got to turn our house into a sanctuary for a moment so that we can worship and we can pray and we can draw close to him. But I'm here to tell you that God is interesting in helping us rebuild. How he is going to rebuild us is seen very clearly in the word of God. And I pray that over the next few weeks we'll discover the means and ways that God goes about restoring and bringing back into my life those things that are needed and necessary. How God goes about putting us together. It's not like you and I, you know. You know, if you don't really have a love for something, you can be real cruel. And I've learned this much about building. It takes a long time to build. And, and you have to take a lot of, 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 of careful time in the detail. But it doesn't take much to tear something down. You can take a sledgehammer. And in a few hours, you can tear up something that took 20 years to build. And I'm afraid that far too often you and I do that to ourselves because of our failures, because of our weaknesses, because of our shortcomings. We don't feel like we deserve it, so we just take the hammer to ourselves. And God said, stop. I want to rebuild. That's why I'm here. That's why I came. That's why you have a Bible. That's not so you would just know about me. I want you to know more than just about me. I want you to know why I'm still here, why I'm still working. And the reason I'm still here and I'm still working is you. You matter to me. And I am still working to finish my purpose in your life. Amen. God wants to give us a renewed purpose. I believe God wants to give us a fresh understanding of his love. And certainly I want God to give us access to the treasures that he has prepared for us because we are his masterpiece. Thank God that he is in the business of rebuilding. And he knows how to rebuild a masterpiece. No matter how broken, no matter how beaten down, tattered or torn or marred it may be. God knows how to restore your life. And tonight, I feel like I need to close by asking you to join, if you're with your family, join in prayer with them. If you're by yourself, I want you to pray with me this prayer. God, restore in me the joy of my salvation. 
Lord, restore in me whatever is broken down. If there's an altar that has been neglected, if there's a consecration that I need to renew, if there's a vow that I need to renew, God, help me to to re-consecrate myself to you because I see clearly tonight that you are committed to me. You are committed to my life purpose. Father, I love you tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity of coming into the homes of all of our families, many others that may be watching in other parts of this world or United States. I am asking tonight, God, for your sovereign hand to reach through this medium of video and touch the heart of somebody who is struggling with a sense of insignificance. They feel alone. They feel isolated. They feel like nobody matters and that their life doesn't matter. Perhaps they've even contemplated taking their life because it really, there's nothing worth living for anymore. Tonight, God, I am asking you to arrest their attention and turn their hearts back toward your word and let them read what you have said about them. Let them hear what you have spoken over their life, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are formed. They are intentionally created. They have a God purpose. They have a God plan connected to their life and help connect them again to that plan and purpose. I ask it all in the wonderful and lovely name of Jesus. And we say amen and amen. Praise God. I love you, church family. Thank you for joining in tonight. We'll see you this weekend in a great service. God bless you.